Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on our spirit, soul, and body and talks about which one should be leading us. I, uh, I'm excited about today. I, um, it's funny, I was talking this week. Um, Danny and I went fishing. We hadn't been in months. It was so great to get out, and we picked the hottest, sunniest day to sit in the middle of the lake and cook. Um, while on multiple antibiotics, that's a great combination. So uh, we had a good time, though, but we were just talking and just formulating, and we had been talking for a couple hours, and he says, what, what's, what's on the docket for Sunday? And I said, I'm not sure, but what I was thinking is probably what we've just been talking about for the last two hours, you know, in my heart. And, um, and so one thing we were, were mentioning, and just as a side note, there's some people that just come with, I know we need to operate in confidence and authority, but some people just present things that the Holy Spirit has illuminated to them from Scripture in such a dogmatic way that it's so hard to receive. And I feel like on my best day, on the most writing on the wall revelation that I've had, I still approach it in presenting it to other people like this is what I really believe or sense that the Holy Spirit is saying. I don't know how we get past that and just say, I know everything. This is exactly what it means in every scripture. And if you disagree, you're dead wrong. I don't know how we get to that place. Um, because remember, we're all looking through a glass darkly. So we're experts on stuff that we see through a glass darkly. You know, and so I don't like to proclaim to be an expert on something I can uh, see distorted and at the best day, a little bit off. This is all there is to it. But through the Holy Spirit, um, we can just have the mind of Christ and see things, but it takes a miracle for us to see it. It takes another miracle for us to communicate and another miracle for someone else to see what we saw. And so we should approach that always with such humility and fear and trembling and desperation for an invasion of the Holy Spirit. We should never think I can say it so strongly and so authoritatively and such, such power that everyone will just believe it because it's me and I'm so smart. We should always approach it with such a desperation. I just want to share with you today, really it's a process. I, and, and sometimes I block myself because I'll get into something like this and John will tell you, I want to follow every thought and every idea to the fullest extent that it could ever possibly become. And if anywhere on that path it becomes something I can't explain, then I don't want to talk about it at all. You know, because I don't want to, I don't want to get to a place where I can explain something. So let's just don't even present that principle at all. And, uh, but we're going to go for it today. So today is a, today's a, a concept, a thought, an idea, a place that I'm just uh, uh, kind of cultivating in myself. And I want to throw it out there today. And I think it will, it will demand much more study, much more um, development 
and we could spend hours upon hours, and that's where I was coming into today. I'm like, I can't talk about this because it, like, it should take 12 weeks to talk about this, and I can't just present it. So I kind of love doing this sometimes. Like, So this is the last, like when a movie starts, and I told you this before, this is like when a movie starts and they show you something that happens at the end of the movie, and then the rest of the movie leads up to it. So let's just jump to a concept today, and then we'll back up, and we'll develop that concept over the next few weeks. How's that? Here's the concept that I want to develop, and it's this reality that we are a triune being. We are a spirit, a soul, and a body. Well, that's not a real controversial topic that I think we're going to have a lot of debate about. I think that's pretty universally accepted in the church and in Christianity that we are uh, made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. As we break that down, our spirit is really what communes with the Lord. It's where we fellowship it's our consciousness, it's where we hear, it's where we receive, it's where all righteousness comes from, it, it, it's just where everything that is kingdom related germinates and generates in the spirit. Our soul, I think is a very good thing and, and you know, we've said this for years, soul is our mind, our will and our emotions. I don't even know where we came up with that, but Jahan and I have been saying that for many years. And we've heard teaching on that. So before I present that to you this week, I've just dove into that. And that's gonna be exciting over the next few weeks to look at how often the soul correlates with the mind in scripture. How often the soul does only what a mind can do. The soul thinks, the soul has ideas. So we can easily come to the conclusion that the mind is part of the soul, okay? And the soul feels. So we can come to the conclusion easily that emotion is part of the soul. And the soul decides and acts and does so we can easily come to the conclusion that the will is part of the soul. Are you with me? Okay? Can you guys put that circle up? Did you get it? All right. It turned into an oblong, but stretched it there. So we are all eggs. That's what I wanted to preach about today. <laughs> no, so we're all this being, and you see this body, you see this soul, mind, emotions, and will, and spirit. And so lastly, we're a body. I really like to say it, we're a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body, okay? And so we're in this body and all of our senses, the senses are all part of the body. The organs and the systems are all part of the body, okay? Our flesh, you know, scripture talks about flesh a lot, yeah, you know, a mind of the flesh is at enmity with the spirit. It's at war with the spirit. And so, but it's part of who we are. Our flesh in itself 
is not evil. Kind of like money is not evil. It just depends on how it's led. If it's led by its own desires or if it's led by the spirit. And I don't know if we can get this today. Let me throw some scripture. We better have some scripture, right? Instead of just Michael's ideas. But look at this, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Just to give us a little bit of a foundation. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Somebody say entirely. Not partially, but entirely. And may your spirit, say spirit, and soul, say soul, and body, say body, be kept complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of neat that Jahan referenced this during worship today. You know, so keeping our oil burning is keeping him in the center and sanctifying ourselves entirely, spirit, soul, and body. Now I had this, you guys, you might have to use your imagination with me today because this came during worship. I had a totally different analogy, but during worship I saw this. So hopefully it'll, it'll translate. And I didn't drive to the end of the road yet. So this analogy may not make it all the way to the end of the road, you know, so I'm just going to go with it anyways. So I'm seeing the spirit is in a driver's seat of a car. Okay, your spirit is in a driver's seat of a car. And the analogy I had that I was gonna bring in today was your spirit is the pilot of an airplane. So let's just go with both of them back and forth. But what I love about the car analogy is this. Your spirit is the driver, your car is the body. If the spirit is sideways, it can damage the body. If your spirit's going crazy and not being led by the spirit, you know, and there's this communion that happens in our spirit between our spirit and the spirit. Throughout scripture, it talks about the spirit communicating to our spirit. Matter of fact, it says the spirit gets in our spirit and causes us to cry, Abba, Father. And so that's where salvation takes place. We become born again into his family and we become sons and daughters of God. And that happens in our spirit. And so, but this spirit is in charge and is driving and is healthy, and the more this spirit is fresh and renewed and understanding of this process, this assignment, this whole mandate on existence in life, then the less damage happens to the body. Are you with me? And this is where it gets a little bit funny to me. The mind, the will, and the emotions. (laughs) I love you, John, so much. Everybody just look at your spouse and say, I love you so much. 
But I mean, the only thing that I could correlate as the strength of our mind and somehow, sometimes how it's adverse with our spirit is I believe like the mind is our spouse sitting in the passenger seat. Okay? Our spirit is trying to drive, but our mind keeps telling us to go a different way. Our mind keeps telling us there's a car over there, you probably need to do this stuff. Our mind brings some anxiety and some fear and some torment when we were absolutely fine. And if our mind wasn't in the car, our spirit would have no problem navigating the road and getting us there safely. But so many times the mind can bring undue pressure onto us because it thinks it knows so much more than we do. All right? And this is not a woman thing or a man thing because when we did our little cross-country trip, we put a bed in the back of the van so that we could rest when we weren't driving. And I, I have a serious problem resting while I'm not driving. And it's bad enough to sit in the front seat, but to sleep in the back of something where you can see nothing, you just feel yourself moving around and you have no idea what fate awaits you is unnerving. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's why so many times we can't sleep, we can't rest, we can't lay in the bottom of a boat in a storm because our mind is constantly trying to figure out what the next hurdle might be and what thing might uh, affect us. And I just see our emotions, Right? I really don't have a place for Will yet. Maybe y'all can help me with that. But for me, my emotions are the kids in the back seat. <laughs> Screaming, crying. I'm going to pull this car over. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like a, it's like a frenzy sometimes. And it's just a little access to what you're trying to accomplish. It's not necessarily trying to tell you what to do, but it's just adding to what's going on, and it's a distraction. It's a distraction. I don't know what the will is. We can only take it so far. Maybe it's your pre-programmed GPS that you've programmed. Let me just say this. Like, here, here's the thought I had. This is where I was going to come in with the plane. Because I've talked before about the best analogy I've ever heard about emotions and how destructive they can be to the truth is Pastor Tom Sturbins at New Hope. He used to tell us emotions will hijack your plane, crash it in the ground, and kill all the innocent bystanders. I mean, emotions will like kick open the cockpit, come in, kill the pilot, and take over flying the plane. Your spirit's trying to fly. Emotions are like terrorists that'll come in and try to take over. But I was just thinking on the flip of that, because, oh, help me, Lord. Like another thought this week. See, we're just thought chasing today. You know, 
John the Baptist and Jesus both preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, close enough to grab. Do you know that neither one of them preached, repent for the kingdom of hell is at hand. But 90% of our preaching is repent for the kingdom of hell is at hand. Repent to avoid hell. Repent to avoid darkness and what's happening. Repent because of an opportunity to experience heaven. See, we negate the value of the kingdom of heaven by trying to get people to join it through uh, uh, avoiding something terrible. It's good enough that you don't have to talk about the alternative and people will still want to pursue it. So I'm not just want to talk. So, so heaven, I just see it. I've just kind of flipped that analogy this week. And I was thinking, you know, your sinful nature was in the cockpit. We were born into the sin. By one man's sin, all of us became sinners, right? Our nature, our will, all of those things, our soul, our mind, will, and emotion was bent towards sin. Our body was bent towards fulfilling its desires. Nobody had to teach us to be selfish. We just were. But before that, our spirit was in the likeness of the one who created us. We have to remember that. We're not sinners saved by grace. We're beautiful, godlike creatures who were corrupted by the sin of one who have been redeemed back to our original state. About three of you got that. If more of you got it, that would have been awesome. But through sin of Adam, the enemy inserted a driver into our vehicle, our plane. Are you with me? At salvation, when we're born again, and he cries out to our spirit and our spirit responds. No man comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the spirit, by his spirit, by the spirit, to the spirit, right? And we come into that place and we repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and our spirit is born again. And here's the deal. This is what I believe. I bring to you with humility. But the seat is still put in the position of the old driver. The GPS is still locked in to a wrong destination. Okay? Our spirit is born again. Our spirit is in tune with God. Our spirit is perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. It's a lie of the enemy that says you've got to keep going and earn something. You are beautiful, perfect, born again. But if you want to have a nice drive, (laughs) you got to take what's in your spirit and let it permeate your soul. Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. So we have to take a transformation process. So we get in, our knees are hitting the dash. This new life doesn't fit in this old form. This new spirit doesn't, can't operate like it needs to in that old form. And so we have to start changing some things. You know, if my spirit's going to be able to operate in this car the way it needs to operate, then I need to move the seat back. I need to change this. I need to change this. I need to change the way I think about this. I need my mind to be transformed. I need my will to be arrested in the presence of God. I need my emotions to come under check and I need to change the way that the mode of operation of this vehicle so that the spirit can have free reign and do what he wants to do in my life. Because you can be born again, (laughs) but... But this, is, this gets bad, okay? You can be born again, but if you don't find a way to get your spouse to be quiet, which I'm not talking about your spouse, I'm talking about your mind, I'm talking about just a strong voice in your life. And it's an admirable thing that we relate it to a spouse because that should be a strong voice in our life. And our mind is a beautiful thing. And our mind is not to be discounted or thrown away. But you have to come into an understanding with your mind that the spirit is in charge. I value you. I value your input. But you got to chill. You got to chill. When when I'm trying to change three lanes and get off an exit, I don't need you to tell me that you think it might rain tomorrow. I mean, come on. We don't need to talk about that right now. Let's just focus on what's happening. But your mind is a beautiful thing and it's not a corrupt thing and a terrible thing and an evil thing. And we've too long said we need to check our brains at the door and come in and not think and just worship. No, you need your brain. Because you leave it at the door, it's going to be waiting on you when you get out there. So bring it in here with you so we can get transformed too with your spirit so that you don't walk out of here and have a fight in the car on the way home. (laughs) So we just need our mind to be transformed to a mind that's in tune with the spirit, that honors the spirit, respects the spirit, understands that the spirit knows what he's doing. And the mind only comes up to just reiterate what's already in the will of the spirit. And your mind even helps you with those kids in the back. Come on, we need our mind like our spouse to help us with our emotions and our will. We need our mind to be transformed to help us because the main thing, we need our spirit to have free reign and free access and be unencumbered and undistracted to take us where we need to go. Genesis chapter 3. Let's just paraphrase for sake of time. I read this. I don't know if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. We went back to Genesis again. But I'm just drawn there again today as I think about this reality that I was discussing the other day. 
Because here's what I think we do. Can you put that pyramid up too? I found this. This is exactly how I saw it. I actually didn't see it as, as a circle, but I saw it as a pyramid when I was, the Lord was dealing with me with this. And I saw it as a pyramid where the top of the pyramid is the spirit, then the soul, and the body. But I just, I, I'm looking for that, and I find this, and I think, man, that's, that's amazing. Sometimes the Lord can help us through Google. Natural physical world, information from the systems, from your systems. Everything that comes into you to process in your body comes through your senses. Comes through your hearing, comes through your sight, comes through your touch, comes through your feeling, comes through all those things. That's why the Bible says we don't go by sight. We don't go by what's seen, we go by what's not seen. Because if we're not careful, and again, our senses are beautiful. They're gifts, but only when they support our spirit. And so you look at this, and I love these two arrows. Anybody ever heard the battlefield of the mind? Battleground of the mind? That's right in the soulish realm. So in this picture, you've got information being processed through the communing of your spirit with his spirit. And it's trying to dictate in our mind, will, and our emotions what we do. But we've also got information coming through our senses, coming through our culture, coming through society. And it's trying to dictate what we do in our mind, our will, and our emotions. And when we have to make a decision, Thus, the soul is the battleground of our lives because we have to there process and determine what's going to dictate my will, what's going to dictate my emotions, what's going to dictate my thoughts. And we have to come into agreement with one or the other. Because a mindset on the flesh is an enmity with God. It's an enemy of God. And likewise, a mindset on the spirit is an enemy with a mindset on the flesh. Sons and daughters of God should be led by the spirit. So when you look at Genesis and God tells Adam and Eve, I almost said Mary and Joseph. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> We're doing Teruah, Mary and Joseph, and I, that's been in my mind the last couple of days. <laughs> You know, Mary and Joseph in the garden. <laughs> so close. I had genders right. You know. uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. See, I didn't even mess up. But just for y'all's enjoyment, I wanted to tell you what I almost did. See? Isn't that, didn't we all have fun with that? That's great. So, Adam and Eve in the garden. God tells them they can't eat of this tree, the fruit of this tree. The enemy comes in and he says, surely you won't die. God knows that you will um, be like him and all this stuff. He had to present a picture to them where God is somehow insecure and, and unjust for them to ever find anything else appealing to them. He had to first attack the heart of God, the nature of God, because a son or a daughter that knows God's heart for them will not fall for temptations of the world. 
it creeps in with lies about his nature. It creeps in and tells us there's some deficiency in us that we can't find through him, and so we start looking somewhere else. But if we could really get who we are in him and who he is, it would, it would turn our affections away from the things of the world and to him. But look at this. Here we go, verse uh, 6. He had just told him, you won't surely die. God knows your eyes will be open. You'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Somehow we're going to be deficient if we don't. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate and gave some to her husband. So here, when she what? Saw that the tree was good for food. What was she using? Put my pyramid back up. What was she using to determine what course of action? Put my pyramid back up. What was she using to determine what course of action she was going to take? She was letting her body drive and making her spirit passenger. So she saw, uh, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she saw and she was thinking, is caught up in all of that is in either the body or the soul. Are you with me? It's what she saw or what she thought, what she thought it would bring increase to how she thinks. So all of this was about the soulish realm or the body. There's no talk before she eats the fruit that she she had her spirit had any input whatsoever. Matter of fact, the only thing that her spirit had was what God said. So she presented what God said. The enemy responded with a lie, and then she leaned towards her own understanding through her body and her mind, will, and emotion. Are you with me? So she had what the God had said into her spirit, but she gave it up because of a lie, and then she leaned towards. You, you guys heard that before? Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, what he said. Let's acknowledge what he said. Let's let that make the determining factor. God said, don't eat it. That's all I need to know. My spirit's driving. Flesh, shut up. Kids, be quiet. We're doing what he said. But somehow, through deception, they turn towards these other ways. And look, he comes looking for them in the cool of the day. They walked with him in the cool of the day. Do you know what the cool of the day was? Most, mo most literally, you can, you can dissect that down and define it down to spirit time. So they had spirit time, they left spirit time, they came into a deception, they went to body time and soul time, and then God came back in spirit time and they hid. 
if we subject ourselves to our soul and our body and let it drive, we'll find ourselves hiding from our spirit. And finding that it, we've been robbed because of it. Matthew chapter six, I just, I just take no thought about your body, what you're gonna put on it, what you're gonna wear. It goes through all these things, the lilies of the field, right, the sparrows, all this stuff, aren't they cared for? And it ends with seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you because he knows everything flows out of the spirit. Healthy soul flows out of healthy spirit. Healthy body. I would that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. And your soul prospers when it's, when it's being led by your spirit. Your emotions thrive when you are submitted to the spirit of God and he's leading you into truth. Your emotions are thriving. Your will is knocking it out of the park when you're being led and in tune with the Spirit of God. You find yourself just clicking on all cylinders, just following his call and his lead and his guidance, and your will is thriving. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound Mind out of his spirit flows a sound mind, a healthy soul. Now, here comes the path, and here comes where I started this whole thought process. So many times, our primary focus is this bottom rung. 90% of time, energy, and effort is given to try to thrive in the bottom rung. And no matter how much we do that, it doesn't work. If I have more stuff, my soul will be at rest. Nope. Whoop, up here. If I'm in tune in my spirit, my soul will be at rest. Stuff will be inconsequential but just so happens a healthy mind, a healthy will, and a healthy spirit produce a productive body. And here's even a place I went. And I, I get nervous even in myself about talking about this stuff because I, I never want to put on a yoke or a bondage of something in the spirit that is heavy or discouraging or put the weight of all of it on people's back so that they don't rest in him and his provision and his sovereignty and his strength. But I think so many times we approach him through the lens of our body and we're asking him to heal our body. with no thought of our spirit. And then we're wondering why we're not seeing a manifestation of the kingdom happen in our body 
when manifestations of the kingdom happen in our spirit and then they permeate down through the rest of our being. I didn't plan on telling you this, but I don't know how to do it super quick. One of the most impactful probably weeks, months of my life was December, when was it, Kate Sandblast? 22? 2020. The Lord led me on a beach trip with my family in December, taught me something, followed the following Sunday by one of the most powerful things I think we've ever done as a body when we honored the Bradberries and just a significant thing in the kingdom. And then it led to more things in January, just such a powerful time. But I was on a walk one morning. The Lord woke me up and I'm on a walk. And I can't get into all the logistics and all it will do is sensationalize it or not sensationalize it. Let me just say, I knew the Lord was going to heal me that day. Not how he told me and, you know, let me prove to you it was him because of all the proofs, whatever. He told me he was going to heal me. He spoke that to my spirit. And I'd been praying for years for breath and blood. I had a clot years ago in my leg. I have restricted blood flow in this leg. I wear a sleeve on it all the time. And you guys know I've had issues with my throat. I've had a couple of surgeries on it, and breath doesn't flow well through there. So I've prayed for breath and blood for years, breath and blood, breath and blood. And I just knew the Lord was going to heal me. And there was so much more to it and so much anticipation. And I'm walking and I, do, I begin to know that there's going to be a place that I arrive at on this journey. The Lord shows it to me and I get there and it's this place on a beach. And there's all kinds of prophetic things that the Lord's showing me. I mean, my spirit is just dinging. I mean, it's just prophetically. There's just so many things happening in that moment. And I'll never forget, like in that moment, that culmination, I knew it was time for the Lord to heal me. I just knew it. So I put my hand on my leg and I put my hand on my throat. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? I didn't tell you to put your hand on your throat and your hand on your leg. I mean, in that whole walk, every time he would speak something to me, I would ask him, maybe I should do this to make it better. And he was just exposing to me on that walk how much I thought that I had to do to help him do what he wants to do all the time, you know. Once I knew the spot, should I run to show I'm more anticipating? He's like, dude, walk, chill. If I say I'm going to do something, it doesn't matter if you run there or you walk there. Just get there. Come on. Here I am. What is this? God needs my hand to be on my throat for him to heal me. I know, lay hands on six. See, again, I can't chase it all the way, you know. Oh, I'm just telling you what he told me. And in, the, in, that, in that time, boom, 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 healing came. But it didn't change my breath yet. It didn't change the blood flow yet. But what he did in that moment, like, where this came from, where this came from, 
what route it was, what things happened, how I can be eradicated from my life, what journey he can take me on in healing where it can manifest throughout my soul and throughout my body. And I'm still expected to see it fully manifest throughout my soul and my body. But I've been healed in my spirit. No, some of y'all may be like, uh, uh, well, who cares? I want to see it in my body. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, that's what I think our problem is. We negate the work of the Spirit if it doesn't look like it needs to look in our body. And if we're doing that, can we really even approach him in a way that he can say, I've not seen faith like this anywhere in the land. But would true faith be faith that's looking to him for a healing in our spirit and not just a manifestation in our body? And I can hear it. I can hear it. So what does this mean? If I'm sick in my body, I'm deficient in my spirit. So not only am I sick now, you've heaped condemnation upon me and told me it's my fault. I hear that. I'm not saying that. Why have people died that I believe their spirits were thriving, some of the heroes in the faith, yet they die from something they shouldn't have died from and prematurely. And you know what my answer to that is? I don't know. I don't know. I would venture to say, humbly, some of those, even though they appeared amazing and mighty, still had roots of deficiency in their spirit and their soul. They had gifts and they were powerful and all these things, but I believe there were still deficiencies in their spirit and soul. And some people, maybe not, and who knows? And some people in this room may have been dealing with infirmity. Hey, blood doesn't flow. Breath doesn't flow. Hey, I'm up here with you. But I refuse to just completely negate what I believe is the truth and principles in Scripture just so I can precate and make myself feel better about my current reality that I experience in my body because that would be bound down to my body and how I feel about it again, which would make me weak in my spirit. So let me just end with this. You ever read a story about somebody running an Iron Man Iron Man. Anybody ever read a story about somebody that ran an Iron Man dropping dead of a heart attack? Anybody ever read anything like that? Seen a specimen of physical fitness die unexplainably. Now that's all down here in this body realm because we don't know them. We don't know about their spirit. We don't know anything, but we're just looking and processing information of a body that should be healthy dying Yet do you take that information and process it in your mind and say the most healthy thing you can do is sit on a couch and eat potato chips? Exercising doesn't work. I know this person who was physically fit and died anyways. So exercise doesn't work. Let's just completely trash can exercise. 
I know somebody who ate healthy. They were very strict in their diet. They didn't put any harmful things in their body, yet they still got cancer. So we should not worry at all about what we eat. Would anybody make that leap? Would anybody feel condemned if you died that somebody was saying you ate too many Doritos? If there is a reality that eating healthy is good for your body, do we get upset if we get sick and somebody says eating healthy is good for your body? We don't get upset about that. We don't heap condemnation upon ourselves about that. Unless we've ate too much red meat and it perforates your colon, sometimes you should take a little bit of conviction from that and let it affect your diet a little bit. You should. But you understand where I'm going with this? So why would we just throw out the principles of scripture and truth about the health of our spirit affecting the health of our soul, affecting the health of our body, just because there's some cases that we can't explain where people got sick and they weren't healthy and they should have been because they trusted God. I don't know. But I know my God is able to heal and he's able to heal spirit soul and body <laughs> and the greatest of all of those is spirit don't fear the one who can take your life but fear the one who can send your soul to hell I don't care what happens in these bottom realms my spirit is going to be in tune with the father and while I'm not caring, I'm going to trust him and he's going to clothe me and feed me and make all these things come to me as I seek him first. Can y'all stand with me this morning? Padre, can you come and close us out today? Wow. Should be on. Wow. Just keep talking. You got him? The red light's on. Testing. There it is. Yeah. Wow, what a beautiful explanation. But here you are in a world, and God puts you in the driver's seat. But here you got companion, whoever it might be, voicing their opinions. And then you got people inside your world that you have to respond to because they're part of who you are. But then I think the emotions is dealing with everything outside the vehicle. That person over there and that situation over here, and now you got to respond. And so you got this live voice and this pre-programmed voice, and then everything going on around you in the world that you have to respond to. And you heard this morning, he wants your flesh to drive you. He wants you to do what your soul wants. Bottom line, he doesn't want you to be led by the spirit or your spirit to drive you. Can I tell you something, Luis? You're probably the best example of how we can pray this. You're in the best place you've ever been in your life right now just 
where your spirit's at. That's all I'm talking about, just where your spirit's at. The picture of you standing behind Pastor this morning, you were looking up, which told me, and I would have prayed this for you privately just in a few minutes, and I can. But that means God doesn't want you to look back. He doesn't want you to look back at all. Because just what Pastor said, it's not where you're going. So quit looking back. You've left there, you're going somewhere else. And he really doesn't want you to look ahead, like Pastor said, and try and figure it out and plan it out and listen to what everybody else is saying, what's going on. But you were looking up. And so if you could get to that place where I'm not going to dwell on yesterday, and I don't even know all about tomorrow, but I'm looking to you from which comes my help today and my direction today and the knowledge I need today and the wisdom I need today and the love I need today and the patience I need today and the thoughts I need today. And what that does is when you look to him right where you're at, you're, you're a good example of what pastor said today. You're just going to be led by him. And you're going to get to where he wants you to go and get to do what he wants you to do. And it's really what you want to do. And so position yourself just to receive from him today the word of the Lord to be planted deep in our heart. What a beautiful picture. Because you can't get out of this body. You got your mind, will, and emotions you have to deal with daily. But man, the yes in your spirit. And I don't know, this is just practice because I've been, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a coach. That's what I do professionally. I'd be a coach. But I believe in practice. So just this is a be with your head and your body and it will have your mind wrapped up in it. But just simple nod of your head. And I'm not talking about your body or your mind, will, and emotions saying yes. I'm talking about a yes in your spirit. Because God asked me a question a year ago. Do you believe in miracles? And what I didn't know, only pastor knows most of the story. I thought because I was believing for everybody else. But do you believe in miracles? Because you're going to be the miracle. If you can say yes in your spirit to me, you're going to be the miracle. It's not just going to be the name you have. You're going to be the miracle. And your son's going to be, the, and your daughter and your family, it's all that. You're going to be the miracle. You're going to be the miracle. So the nodding of your head is just simply saying, Spirit, I want a yes in my spirit. I want a yes in my spirit. I want a yes in my spirit. And you say, well, I've said that before. No, God wants a renewed yes in your spirit this morning. Because what pastor's saying is even in this house, it needs to be led by the spirit, this whole house, not by minds, wills, and emotions, and not by even the opinion of the body. It's yes, yes, yes. So could you just practice, and you might not be there, could, we're going to close with this. We're not, 
prayer team can come on up if you want to. I do want to pray for you, Louise. So if you'll just come and stand here representing the body of But prayer team, if you'll come and we're going to dismiss you with this. But I just want us to practice with looking up. It's just a position. It has nothing to do with it. And then the nodding of your head, just saying yes. I want my spirit to have a yes in it. Just practice it. Just close your eyes and practice it. So, Father, I bless this body today. I bless the plans of every family. I bless the food they're about to partake of as they get lunch or grab a snack. I bless the activities that they're going to go about doing today. And as we gather again, God, corporately and as families and with friends. I bless this day, but I ask that the yes in our spirit would be just to receive the word of the Lord spoken to us today. Just the word of the Lord spoken to us today, spoken over, spoken over us today. We just receive it. There's a yes in our spirit to receive the word of the Lord. But you want our spirit to drive us. You want our spirit to drive us. You want our spirit to drive us. Led by your spirit. You want our spirit to drive us. Led by your spirit. Led by your spirit. So spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us. Renew a right spirit within us, God. Renew a right spirit within me. Could you just make it personally? Renew a right spirit within me as I go about the rest of this day and begin this new week. And God, I just pray, God, we talk about, God, we just celebrate the freedom in this house today. There's freedom in this house. We celebrate freedom in this house to say yes to you, spirit of the living God. God bless you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. If you need prayer for anything, come up here. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.